myself. My name is Stephen Little. This is my beautiful, amazing spiritual wife, Roxanne Little. And uh, we lead the Youth and Family Ministry in Northern Virginia. And uh, so it's a great honor to be uh, here speaking to you today. Um, so the reason uh, that we're doing this lesson is because it's a very confusing time. Yes. It's a very difficult time. And uh, a lot has changed with sex and sexuality over the last 10, 15 years even. I mean, drastically. And Roxanne and I asked uh, at teen camp, uh, which was held in Schwanksville, Pennsylvania, if you're on the east side of the ACR, uh, we were asked to do two classes on sex and sexuality to the teens. And, uh, and we did, so we did a total of four because there was two teen camps. So we taught uh, this class very similar to this class uh, to, to the teens. And so we were asked to teach to you guys. So um, we, our prayer is that you get stuff out of it. And really, I think the most valuable time will be uh, us having Q&A and dialogue together. So uh, we'll get through some of this stuff and we'll allow Q&A. So if there's a question that uh, you don't feel like answer, asking out loud, uh, you could just write it down and pass it forward and the people in the front row will take it. So if that's the case, by all means, go ahead and do that. Um, you know, this is, uh, the world has no clue what they're doing and what they're talking about when it comes to sex and sexuality. Like, no clue. It changes all the time. And because of that, our kids are confused. Because what they're surrounded by and what they hear all the time is the world. And generally, adults and disciples don't do a great job as exposing what God designed sex and sexuality to be. Uh, sometimes we can be hands-off on that, and I think it's, a, it's, not, it's definitely not good for our kids, mm -hmm. especially in times like today, uh, because it is all over the world. It's all over the place. Uh, they don't know what they're talking about when it comes to marriage, dating, uh, raising kids, or talking about this in a godly and healthy way. So that's what we're going to do today. Amen? Amen? So my wife made a survey, and she sent it out to... All the teens in the, in the east of the ACR, because this is when they go to the teen camp, and just asking them questions like, uh, you know, what do you hear? What questions do you have? And so she's going to kind of do like a little highlight of the survey that we sent out to several hundred teens. So, so um, the questions were, what, I mean, they're all in regard to sex and sexuality, obviously. And the questions were, what are the teens talking about in your schools? What questions do the teens have in your schools? What questions do you have as teens? And is there anything that you want us to know, um, especially because we were doing the class, we wanted to know what they, they wanted to hear. And the results, most of them were pretty predictable. Teens talk about sex a lot. So um, these are some of the things they wanted to know. Is it okay to have sex? And why is it bad to have sex outside of marriage? And why is it bad to be lesbian or gay or transsexual or bisexual or queer or questioning or confused? Because all of those letters are there. And are there times when it's okay to have sex even though you're not married? Um, and why can't I just do what I want? And my friend was a boy and now he's a girl. So what do I call him or her or what? Are they? And then, is it wrong to wear gay pride gear to support my friend or to go to a gay pride parade? Or how do I reach out to a friend that's LGBTQC? Or how do I help my friend see that their lifestyle is wrong? Or is it okay to be transgender? Like, what are these things? And this is in addition 
to just all the stuff they hear at school and the experiences that people are either making up or actually engaging in and then talking about with one another. And so this, these responses are kind of a highlight that represent what go, go, goes on around our teens and in their own minds. And so our class is from that perspective about what we need to do to help this next generation. Amen. Amen. Sweet. Just had to clarify something with her. Uh, so what we want to do now is we want to share our sexual past with you uh, so that you can kind of understand where we're coming from and so that you can kind of know us in a better way and make this class really vulnerable and fun. So, yeah. so okay. my wife was here now. Yeah, so um, I was sexually abused as a child by a very, very close family member and then a family friend. And for me, that led to a lot of sexual sin. As a disciple, before a disciple, throughout my teen years, I have dated men, I have dated women, I stole a car and ran away state, like states away from home. Um, I partied, I did drugs, I drank, all the wild, crazy things. I was impure and I was immoral. And I don't look back on any of that with pride or relishing or missing the good old days. I'm quite ashamed of all of it. And many of it, much of it, leaves scars that are deep, um, deep emotional wounds, some of which may never go away. Sweet, so I grew up the complete opposite. I grew up in a religious family, didn't really have exposure to sex and sexuality. My parents didn't talk about it. Um, I, you know, pornography was kind of I mean, we had dial-up, so, and the computer was like in the living room. So, and, you know, I think if, if I grew up in today, it would be a huge problem, honestly. It, it's yeah. just so yeah. rampant. Uh, but, you know, it was kind of, I was like a normal guy. I got, uh, a girl broke up with me because I wouldn't sleep with her um, in high school. So I was like a good kid, um, and I just didn't really have much exposure to it. When, when we got married, I was a virgin, and, uh, you know, it was... It was a big question mark in my mind, like, what is this? I had no idea, kind of just based off what my friends said and what I've seen in a couple pornography uh, videos is kind of my idea of what sex and sexuality is. Um, so what we want to do now is talk about what this culture is saying, what our culture, what today is saying about sex and sexuality so we're all on the same page, and then we will talk about what does the Bible teach so we can compare and contrast. So what the culture is saying today is love is love, right? If, you want, if you're a guy and you want to love a guy, it's love. No matter what it is, no matter who it is, love is love. If you're not having sex, you are missing out. That is preached, that is taught about all over in our schools, and even some of the teachers uh, talk about that stuff. Pornography and masturbation are good and normal. Now, some of this is starting to shift on the pornography end. They're starting to realize that, wow, this is not good for you, and this is actually harming you and altering your brain. But still, generally, the culture is saying it's normal. If you're not doing it, you're missing out, and you're kind of weird. Uh, you can be whatever you want. You can be male. You can be female. You can be a mix. You can be non-binary. You can be a furry. Uh, homosexuality is beautiful and natural. This is what you were created to be, and you should fully embrace that. Uh, and if you're not speaking up and speaking out for transgender, for homosexuality, then you're a bigot and you're closed-minded and you hate people. That's what the culture is saying. 
if you're not sticking up for these people. Now, Snapchat, uh, cell phones, internet, this has changed everything. Uh, to let you know, parents, uh, Snapchat is very common for guys to ask girls for nudes, even if they don't even know them. Uh, if it's somebody they just saw in school and said, hey, what's your Snapchat? And they befriend them and say, hey, can you send me a pic? Uh, to let you know, Snapchat, it deletes everything. Once you see it, you can view it for up to 10 seconds. You can take a screenshot, but it will alert you if someone takes a screenshot. But after that, it's gone. So a lot of teens, what they do is they just communicate through Snapchat because there's no history. There is no record. You cannot get it. And so there's a lot of sketch stuff that can happen. So you have to be aware. You have to know what's going on. And uh, same with Instagram. Instagram accounts. Like They can have one Instagram and you, you can be their friend or follow them on Instagram, but they, they oftentimes have second or third Instagram accounts with different names, different pictures, and they're following whoever they want to follow and DM, which is direct message, whoever they want. And so you have got to get educated on that. Talk to other teens. Be like, hey, teen disciple, can you help me out? Like, help me understand what is going on. Because, you know, we're in this and some of this stuff is over our head. And so we have to, we have to rely on our teens. Talk to other parents. Be like, hey, what are you doing as far as restricting your kid with their phones and what's going on? Because this stuff, it, it's dangerous, okay? Mm -hmm. It's very dangerous. And there's a lot of predators, even though they don't see themselves as predators. Uh, the culture says the biblical teachings have now become closed-minded and hateful. Mm -hmm. They're wrong. Mm -hmm. they're, they're backwards. But this can't be further from the truth. Right. So... The things that we're dealing with now, the things that we're seeing, they're not new to God. Right. God's seen this over and over and over again for millennia. Um, in the Bible times, sex and sexuality were things that people just consistently indulged in. In Jesus' time, women were no more than baby factories and caretakers. They had no rights and no value. Um, they weren't really treated well in general, and slaves were treated either just as bad or worse. Both male and female slaves were regularly used in a sexual way. Graphics, this one blew my mind, graphic sexual images would be on the outside of public buildings as you're walking down the street. Like that was the culture. And then it would also be in people's homes on their wall rather than like a family portrait. It would be some type of graphic image. Um, and then in all of that depravity, people lost humanity. You know, people became objects for someone else's pleasure. And they just took what they wanted. It wasn't about getting consent. It was about just using people. That was the cultural climate when all of the Bible was written. That's what was going on when Jesus walked the earth and when the church got started. So the standard was so much harder for them back then, even than it is for us today, which might seem crazy, but it's true. And if people today think that Christianity and God is closed-minded and bigots and weird, then back then, they must have thought they were completely insane. But the gospel still spread. People still were saved. It still grew, and that's because there's more to life than sex and sexuality. And there's so much more to it. God is about giving us joy, fun, peace, and fullness of life, not taking it away. In John 10.10... 10, Jesus says that he came to give us life to the full. I'm just going to reference these. In 1 Timothy 6.17, it says that God richly provides us everything for our enjoyment. 
And John 15, 11 shows that Jesus wants us to have complete joy. It's not about doom and gloom. It's about the best life ever. And we know that. But the next generation needs to know that. That's the message that they need to hear from us and that they need to see lived out in us. Sweet. Thank you. You're welcome. So, uh, you know, with the Bible, you'll find rape. You'll find incest, you'll find multiple partners, you'll find cheating. It's all in the Bible, but it doesn't mean it's biblical. It doesn't mean, oh, okay, it's in here that God designed it to be that way. That is not the case. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to just kind of skim through the Bible. Most of it's going to be in Genesis, but we're going to skim through the Bible real quick and just kind of look at what is the biblical standard of sex and sexuality, okay? Uh, so the first one, God created sex to be enjoyed. Amen? Amen. 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 Okay. Is everybody married in here? No. Never mind. One one person's married. That's excellent. (laughs) (laughs) But you know that one we don't need a scripture for. You just have to have it, and you you realize, wow, this is meant to be enjoyed. Amen. Actually, you could just read Song of Songs. It's he goes over the top. You're like, bro, what are you talking about? (laughs) Um, But uh, in Genesis chapter two, and starting verse twenty, I'll quickly read this. It says, um, for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man. And he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man will leave his father and the mother... And, and the mother, and be united with his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Uh, God created one man and one moment, woman to be married. That is what God's design is. That is what he set up from the beginning. One man, one woman for marriage. One man, one woman for sex. Not multiple partners, not same-sex partners. Uh, this, you know... That's not what God created. Outside of that is sin. Okay? Genesis 1.28, uh, it, it says the same thing here. Uh, but it says, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God created sex for us to be enjoyed and to make kids. Right? I don't think we have, have any shortage of kids. Right? There's seven and a half billion people alive today. I think we've subdued the earth a little bit there. But sex was designed for pleasure and reproduction. You can read Romans chapter 1 and 2, and it goes into how homosexuality began. And it says it's unnatural. Okay? It says God let people go in their sensual and sexual desires, and he gave them over to shameful acts, which is... A man having sex with a man and a woman having sex with a woman. Homosexuality is a sin. Amen? Amen. Um, He created them male and female. There are two genders. Okay? Uh, Again, in Genesis 1.28, it says that he created them male and female. In Genesis chapter 5, it says the same thing. We'll go there. Genesis 5, verse 1 and 2. It says, when God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them. 
And when they were created, he called them man. So God created two genders, and those genders are based off biological, right? If you have a, a penis, you are a man. If you have a vagina, you are a woman. Now, uh, about 1%, maybe a little less than 1% of the world's population is what we call intersex. And what intersex is, is you have, typically it's, you, you look female, but instead of, instead of ovaries, you have genital uh, tissue, okay? And, and you, you can't have babies, or you don't have a uterus, or you have an enlarged clitoris, or you're a male and you have large breasts and your testosterone is low. But generally, in that 1%, the mass majority of those, it's identifiable, like has, has a penis or has a vagina, and you, you kind of go from there. Uh, but that's, so that's totally different than transgender, okay? Transgender is me, a biological male, and I'm just going, I'm now choosing to identify as a female. That is what we call transgender. And that, that could include a sex change or without a sex change. Could include me dressing as a woman or me not dressing as a woman. Uh, there's a wide variation. It continues to get wider and wider and wider as we go. But that's what transgender is, and that's, a to that's, that's pretty new, okay? That one's pretty new, and it's, it's grown rapidly, okay? In, in volume and popularity and in people speaking up for it. Obviously, we have uh, Caitlyn Jenner was one of the first, right? Well, not the first, but got on the magazines, got in news interviews, and really pushed a lot, um, the next thing is, sex is designed for us to wait. In Hebrews chapter 13, if you turn there with me, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. It says, marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexual moral. So sex is designed for marriage and sex is designed to be waited for, okay? If you're not married, you are not to have sex. That is not what God designed it for. Outside of that, it is sin, but it is designed to, to wait. So sex is reserved between a husband and wife. And uh, parents, your kids, uh, this is something that we learned at tea camp. They feel like they're going to miss out, if they become disciples, okay? Because their friends are just talking about how crazy sex is, and probably a lot of those friends aren't having sex, uh, but they are talking like they are, and they talk about how crazy it is and how wild it is, and if, if they watch a pornography a video, they see how you know, crazy and wild, and it's fictional, right? But that's what they imagine. And they're like, if I become a disciple, I'm going to miss out on all of that. And so a lot of the questions that we receive from the teens are like, what can I do when I'm married sexually? We're like, anything that both of you agree with. <laughs> and they're like, what about dressing up and role-playing? I'm like, yes, as long as you agree with it. Uh, whatever you want to do. But, but these are the questions that they have because they see a disciple and the disciple denies himself, right? Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, if they have to deny themselves, I mean, sexually, what can they do? And so that's where our role, where we start talking about these things and introducing them in a healthy and natural way, in a spiritual way. Like, you know, this, you, you can have a great time sexually as a, as a disciple and married. Uh, but that's what they're feeling. They're feeling like, man, I'm really going to miss out. Uh, now the Bible, um, hold on, let me see if I'm going to miss anything. Okay, so the Bible does not 
teach us that we choose what we are attracted to. Okay? It, 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 there's no scripture on that. There, God never talks about it. God doesn't say marriage is between a man and a woman only when a man is attracted to a woman or a woman is attracted to a man. He doesn't mention attraction. Uh, I do not believe, and I have found this, that I did not choose what I am attracted to. I didn't wake up one day and said, black women. I didn't choose that, you know? Um, you know, for, for whatever reason, I'm generally not attracted to white women. Uh, that could be because I have two sisters, I'm a middle child. I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, I can't explain it, but from, from, the, from when I started being attracted to women, I, I was always attracted to other races. I, I can't say what it was or, yeah, you know what, I really chose that. I can't say that. And I think for many of us, we can't say, oh, I chose that. I, I think of it as similar as like, who prefers beaches over the mountains? Anybody per prefers too. beaches over mountains? All right, why? I have no idea. Mountains are better, right? Uh, but you know, I prefer mountains over beach or, or like city over country. There's too many factors to say why we prefer something. And so God, he does not care what we're attracted to. He cares what we do with our attraction. Amen. Right? That's what he cares about. And, and the truth be told that there's more heterosexual sin than there is homosexual sin. Mm -hmm. Way more. Mm -hmm. Because there's a lot more heterosexual people than homosexual people. Mm -hmm. And if we were so concerned about heterosexual attraction as we were homosexual attraction, there'd be a lot more purity in the church. Amen? Amen. But he, he doesn't concern himself with attraction and neither should we. Okay? Neither should we. We shouldn't be dogging on that. Um, you know, it's the same way, you know, uh, sorry. Uh, you know, if you're attracted to men, and, men or women, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't make you less of a person, doesn't make you less of a human, doesn't make you less likely to become a disciple. Yeah. Or doesn't make you less of a disciple. Yeah. And so, you know, if, if you're in here and you have a kid that is saying such attracted or, you know, transgender or whatever you're dealing with, be, rest assured that they have the same likelihood as anybody else. Yep. And their discipleship can be just as strong and just as impactful as anybody else, okay? And, you know, what we have to do is not care, okay? And what I mean by that is I'm a chill guy, and Roxanne is Jamaican, and she gets angry easily, okay? <laughs> so, so imagine... <laughs> Imagine with me if Roxanne walks into a church of a bunch of chill people and they look at her and they're like, how could you? How can you have a temper like you do? How, could, how dare you get angry as quickly as you do? None of us would ever say that. Hopefully. Well, all we care about is what she does with that anger, right? All right, she's flying off the handle and throwing things. Like, all right, you got to change that. But, but it's the same thing. If, if our children or people around us are same-sex attracted, we should treat them the same as anybody else. And we should look at them as the same as anybody else. Imagine going to the place where you know this is where I'm going to get help. I know I need God. I know I need Him. And you come in and everybody's cold to you. And they, they, they're, they're just judging you immediately. 
and they feel that. And you know, sometimes they feel judged even though we're not, right? Mm-hmm. right. But this is actual judgment, right? Where we're like, I, this is too weird for me. I'm not comfortable with this. I can't talk to you. Yeah. Or you're not, you're not welcome here. Ima- imagine how frustrating that would be. Oh, I would hate that. I would hate to be shunned from a group because I lusted. Right? If all of, if all of us were shunned because we lust, most, most or all of us would not be welcome in church. Yeah. And so we can't have that attitude with people that are same-sex attracted or transgender or all between, okay? We have to have a loving and acceptance. And parents, your kids have to see this in you. Mm-hmm. It, they they got to see you reaching out to all kinds of people, different races, different you know, social backgrounds, different uh, sexual identities. It doesn't matter. If they have a friend that's gay, you need to let that friend into your home. Yep. It's up to you if, the, if you want them to spend the night or you want the, your kid to spend the night there. That's up to you. But you need to welcome them. And you need to love that kid. And your, your kids need to see that because they, will, they, they in their minds will go, well, a disciple shuns gay people because my parents shun gay people, so that's what I got to do. So I can't be friends with them now. No, no, no. That's, that's a disservice to God and that's wrong. Show them what loving like God is. So um, to flesh that out a little bit, what does that look like? Stephen definitely touched on it, but I've got some uh, scriptures for us. Uh, just to reference, Luke 7, 34, Jesus was accused of eating too much and being a friend to the wrong kinds of people. Mm-hmm. In seven thirty nine of Luke, he was judged for letting a sinful woman touch him. She was either a prostitute or promiscuous, but either way, she was just not good enough. Yeah. But he let her touch him. John 2, Jesus' first miracle, he turned water to wine when people were already drunk. Jesus wasn't a killjoy. (laughs) That's not him. He treated people with love and respect. He wasn't uptight. He wasn't judgmental. He was a friend of sinners. He was kind. You, if you know anyone who's drunk, you know that they're hilarious and you've got to crack jokes with them. That's not the time when you're like, you've had enough to drink. That's, you're laughing and you're joking together and you're having a good time. He laughed with them. He cried with them. He was a friend. He was loving. He literally loved them. And that's what we can do. We can be a friend. And like Stephen said, it's not just our kids who need to see it. It's the LGBTQC community that needs to see it. Because Christianity equals bigot. Yeah. for so many of them. And I can't tell you how many times where people are like, wait, but wait, but what if I blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, Jesus doesn't care. And so neither do I. And they're like, wait, but it's, it, it, it helps so much to let them understand that Christ is different than what they're seeing in the world. And so here are some examples. So for, for the way that we can teach with our actions, because that's all people are paying attention to anyway. So, one, teaching your kids about sex and sexuality. Teaching your kids that for God, it's all about Christ identity, not gender identity. Amen. Being vulnerable about your own past mistakes and sin. Being willing to talk with your kids about sex and sexuality. There are so many people who will say, my parents never talked to me about that. And remaining calm when teens or friends tell you weird questions or the crazy things they've heard in school because you will hear some crazy stuff. But as you're calm, they're like, oh, okay, I can come and talk to you. 
and then only saying God-glorifying things about the LGBTQC community. People are paying attention more than you know. And then praying with and for your children, especially parents, um, and praying for their LGBTQ friends. And Stephen said it about encouraging your teens to have those friends over for dinner. There was one teen who came up after our class and said, I've asked my mom if I can have them over. And my mom said, not in my house. And I was like, okay, well, is your mom a disciple? And she said, yes. And I was floored. Because how does that show who Christ is? We model it. We model it for those that we love. Amen. Yeah, just to let you know, again, what, what's pushed in your kids' faces constantly is you do you. Whatever you feel, you do, right? Uh, the, the message is you live out your dream, do what you want, find you. Jesus never said any of these things. Never. He said when he talked about us, he's like, deny yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, this is, you know, teens biologically are raging to have sex, okay? They're just... Every part of them is wants to reproduce, okay? So know that that's going on. Yeah. And so you've got to have these conversations. And we got some resources we'll, we'll give you um, here. Well, I'll give you the titles for them. Um, I don't have them with me. But we've got to start introducing these conversations. You, you guys are the sex experts. You're the ones that are actually having sex, okay? And, and you know what's going on. And they don't. All they're going by is what their friends say and what they see. And it's all a fantasy. It's all false. Yeah. And it's twisted and messed up. And, man, we can have a great time. And, you know, there's, there's families that we know where they're having these healthy conversations with their eight- and nine-year-old daughters. And they get to ask them, hey, so-and-so said this at school. Is that true? No, you, you don't pee in someone to get them pregnant. What, what are you talking about? You know, it's like that's not how it works. You know, or whatever. Kids are crazy, okay? But, but man, when you open up that conversation, it may be awkward at, at first or difficult or whatever. But man, the more it becomes natural, and be like, hey, this is this is a part of our lives. Mm-hmm. We know this is going on in your life. This is what you're feeling. Man, they start coming to you with questions. This is what I'm hearing. This is what I'm thinking about. Or if that's not possible, you have somebody else. Like, hey please talk to my kid about this. I know that you have a good relationship. Uh, they, they're not comfortable with me right now. Can, mm-hmm. you, can you talk to them? Mm-hmm. Uh, but you've got to get in there. You have the greatest influence over your kids' lives. The greatest influence. Uh, so, you know, the kids will get confused if they come to you and like, hey, you know, I don't know if I'm a, if I'm a boy. Amen. You know, like, okay, thanks for telling me. What are you feeling? Hear them out. Listen to them. But a lot of these times, they work themselves out. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, okay? A lot of times. Do not make any rash decisions, okay? Don't go, all right, we're going to go to the doctors and get hormone pills. Please don't do that, okay? Uh, talk to people, okay? Talk to people, but listen to them. Just hear them out. Yeah. Hear them out. You know, something as a husband that I have to learn is she wants to, me to listen, right? <laughs> not to fix her problems, okay? <laughs> and many, many times, that's what our kids need. Just to listen, just to listen, be like, wow, that's difficult. I am sorry, that's really hard. I, I think I remember going through that, or I never went through that, or I don't know, right? We just got to listen and pray with them and talk to them, amen? Um, so have these, have these talks with them. You're the most influential. Have a, have a safe place for your kids. Attraction is not sin, 
Yeah. Attraction is not sin. Temptation is not sin. We cannot condemn our attractions and our temptations. Mm-hmm. Okay? We do that enough to ourselves, right? We're, we're really good at being guilty souls and beating ourselves up. So uh, these resources, I'll give you the title for this. Um, and these are books that we, we got our first book because our kids are two and four. But uh, at age three to five, I'll give you the, the title of this story. It's called The Story of Me. And it's a, at age three to five, it's just, it was actually kind of long. But, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's just a, it's how, how, a baby, how they became, came into the world. Ages five to eight is Before I Was Born. That's the title of it, Before I Was Born. So there's four of these books, by the way. Ages 8 through 11, it says, What's the Big Deal? That's the title. Reinforcing God's Plan for Sex. Uh, And then ages 11 through 14 is called Facing the Facts. And then there's another book, How and When to Tell Your Kids About Sex. So if you need those titles, you can come up afterwards. But what we'll do now is we'll have a time of Q&A. So if you have a question that you don't want to say out loud, you can write it down and pass it forward. Um, but if you have a question, go ahead and uh, raise your hand. Yes. So I work in IT, and this is kind of a prevalent topic. Um, mm-hmm. And being the only Christian in the office, I feel like so one of our coworkers is getting in their lesbians. And so it's been kind of like trying to be like Jesus and just be a friend and encouraging, but at the same time just feeling like, okay, Right. Right. That's a great question. <laughs> That's a really hard balance, right? Not getting, not wearing the the, the flag and r- doing the pra- gay pride march. I don't think we should do that. Nope. That that's not where we should be. But I, I the way I look at it is, how do I share my story to a person? I share about what God did to me, how I learned, how the scriptures helped me, and you know that's that's the way I go about it. With no matter who they are, no matter how old or how young, uh, and if they start asking, well, what do you think about gay marriage? Like, well, you know, I, I see that marriage is between a man and a woman. Or you could totally skip the question and reroute, reroute it. Like, you know, why do you want to get married? What do you think of marriage? What do you think marriage is? You know, what do you think the purpose of marriage is? And you could be like, hey, let's read a scripture. Here's a scripture that I have. That I, this, you, I'm assuming you guys are married, right? Yeah. yeah but like, this is the scripture my husband and I, we live out. I, so those are tough. That's a really tough spot. They are very smart. Yeah. To add to that, I think the fact that you're praying a lot is awesome. Okay. Um, also, we're not experts. And um, it goes back to Jesus. I think about the woman at the well. She started to get into the religious discussion. Mm-hmm. Well, da 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 And he was like, living water. 
living water right here. And I think just going back to Jesus. I mean, if you like the flowers that they picked out, I like those flowers. You think that color scheme is good? Okay, this is a good looking wedding. Okay, that doesn't mean, oh wait, I can't wait to just celebrate with you. And maybe you choose to celebrate. Maybe you choose not to. I, I don't think that you, you might be able to find a scripture for both because people take the Bible and pillage and rape and do all sorts of things. But I, I think it comes back to Jesus. Just so show Jesus and don't get lost in the conversation that they're having because that's not what we're about, really. Yeah. Amen. Cool. Yes. So to piggyback off of that, when it's our child, where do you draw the line? Like, I have, I have parents who are in, you know, children are in relationships. So my daughter is in a relationship with someone who transitioning to a female. Right. So when there's these serious relationships for a wedding, that's a great question. Now, strength, yeah, sorry. So, so strength and weakness is a great resource. And I will repeat the question. Strength and, re, strength and weakness is a huge resource. You can go to them. They have great resources for parents. Sign up. They have a huge community. So the question was, what do you do when your kids are in a same-sex uh, marriage, there's a wedding, or a relationship? I, this is me, and you can get advice. I would never break my tie with my kid. If they have a wedding, I'm going to go to that wedding, no matter what it's to. I would never break a tie with my kid. I feel like it's, in a way, I almost feel like it's... I can understand that. I think there's, the reason I say that, because I think there's battles to fight. And it's, mm-hmm. I want to have a continued relationship with my kid. And if it's one day, whatever. That, that's my mindset. Yeah. And, and I've heard the others. Mm-hmm. Well, not for, not the opinion on my daughter's relationship, but the opinion on her child's relationship. Mm-hmm. They're, they're going the other way. Mm-hmm. Sure. And that's one of those things. People go both ways. Because this is where, again, you can't have that scripture. And it's so easy to be like, just tell me. Just tell me what to do and I'll go do that. Yes. Thank you so much. Stephen and Roxanne said to go do this and this is what I'm doing. Jesus, this is what they said. But that's not going to work. That one doesn't fly. So it's that battle and that wrestle on your knees to where you know and you're taking those steps of faith. Which is yeah. In the back. So I don't see it as that, because you can be very clear with your kid, like, hey, I don't agree with what you're doing, but I'm, I'm your dad. I'm going to be there no matter what's going on with you. You're in a coma, I'm there. If you're whatever, like, I, so, that, so that's, that's, my, that's my take on it. I think if you are like, oh, I'm totally behind you. I love this decision. This is a great choice for your life. Then that would be serious compromises. But you can be like, hey, you know, I'm here for you. Yes. I feel like even to your guys' point about it's not like don't be so weaved out. Like there's so many other sinful people we're supporting all the time. Yes. We're not drawing these hard lines, but when it comes to this issue, we get very like Yeah. Right. I'm I'm on this extreme. Yeah. You know, but you're supporting people all the time who are in sin. Yeah. You you know, so they feel that. And I think that's why they're so like anti Christian because they feel that extremely. 
Yeah, and there's some, sorry, there's some parents that deal with kids that go off and do drugs and leave the home, and they always have an open door. Now, there, there's going to be the thing where it's like, you can't come into my house because this is a continued, uh, you know, practice or behavior that you're doing, but you never cut off the tie. So, yeah. And then along with that, again, Luke 7, I think it was 34, Jesus was judged for being a drunkard and a glutton because he ate with prostitutes and sinners. So the, pe the religious people of his day saw him being supportive. So if it ends up being that, at least we have a precedent. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, what would you do with your child who isn't same-sex attracted? And so if, if that, it's the same thing. I mean, you don't know yeah, that dating. Yeah, it's like a boy so and a girl. That part's easy. Um, with sleepovers, I'm not attracted to every man in this room, even though I'm straight. Um, so there, there are certain things that are okay. I think if, you, if your child wants a relationship with Jesus, then you help them to set up boundaries for themselves. But if your kid does not, you know... I, I mean, they're not going to be attracted to every person of the same sex. So hangouts and stuff, maybe you just can't do sleepovers. I mean, with, with their girlfriend. Right. Yeah. Like, no, you can't. Because I know you're attracted to her. No, because I told you there's no dating. And so, no, it's not going to happen. But that, it, it just, I think the more you equate it to when it's opposite sex, it, it helps you. It helps you. I mean, I would. Cook and have fun and bring your parents. Let's yeah. have a grand old time. But, you know, I think that's a thing that you're going to have to continue to get help with and get advice. I think yeah. the more that we are transparent with our parenting and getting input, the better. Because yeah. there's so many different scenarios and situations. Yeah. It's really hard. Really hard. These are great questions. Yeah. I want to add something that she said. Yeah. I had a little girl, but uh, they see too much, you know? They, yeah. they, they see everything. They have questions. I always say to them, you have, we, we have the, uh, the decision to what we want to choose, but God gave us instruction, we want to follow this instruction. Uh, probably people, uh, other girls want to, be, uh, want to be with other girls, but as Christians, we have to take the decision, obey God, even if we have feelings for somebody else, but we have first, we have obey God, what God say, that say we have to man and woman is the only Amen. So uh, what we'll do now is we'll dismiss you. If you still have questions, you can come up to us. So thank you for your time. Uh, you know.